0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and it's great to have you with us today. We appreciate all your emails, reviews, and support from this past year. I am deeply grateful to all of you out there who listen to our shows. 2021 was a great year, and 2022 will be even better. As for me, the stories just keep coming. This one just kind of fell into my lap. Let me describe the picture I'm looking at now, which brought me into the story. The first thing we see is a yellow excavator positioned in a cleared area in the woods. Snow covers the ground. About a dozen men, more than half of them wearing blue jackets with FBI clearly showing on the back, are standing near the excavator. So we know they're looking for something. And the first thought is that they're a crime team sending to dig up what? Probably a body, right? This picture is one of about a half a dozen pictures accompanying a news website in Pennsylvania. And the date is 2018. And now the headline... FBI searches for tons of Civil War era gold at remote Pennsylvania dig site. If that doesn't capture your attention, few things could. Of course, the first question is what is the FBI doing searching for gold in Pennsylvania? And tons of Civil War gold? How did that get there? Most legends of buried gold are just that legends, which always seem to peter out after they're put to the reality test. The stories change, the names can never be validated. The sources have to be questioned. Federal agencies don't, as a habit, have time to chase down old buried treasure legends. The article continues. The FBI and local enforcement joined together in the effort along Dents Run Road in Driftwood. That's Driftwood, P-A, and Dents Run is spelled D-E-N-T-S-R-U-N. The dig was first captured by WTAG cameras Tuesday, but the FBI never gave any information on what they're looking for. Nearby neighbors believe they might be digging for gold. It's believed that long-lost treasure may be buried in that area. WTAJ spoke with members of the Elk County Historical Society who say they believe it's just an old wives' tale. The member didn't want to go on camera, but told WTAJ that there is no historical evidence that there may be treasure in the den's run area. On Thursday, the site that was crowded with people on Tuesday was empty. All that was left on the site was an excavator the only information officials will release is that the search was a court-authorized law enforcement investigation and there is no threat to the public. I love it when they say that. Stand back, everyone. Nothing to see here. Everybody go home. Court authorized, you ask? And why is the FBI, which in 2018 must have had a lot of crimes to solve, getting a court order to dig for a supposed 150-year-old treasure? Why not just leave that to treasure hunters? One could easily call this overreach and, in fact, One man and his son, who spent decades searching for the legendary stash and led the FBI to it, according to their own words, are saying just that, that they were cordoned off. The excavator did its work at night using searchlights and very likely removed a fortune in gold bars without even a thank you. They very likely dug something up and then disappeared without a word. Though they never bothered to say it, their excuse undoubtedly, they were investigating a federal crime the robbery of a Union gold shipment, and the murder of Union Army guards, and the gold goes to the government. This legend, which appears most often under the name The Dents Run Gold Story, was first brought to public attention in 1871 when a number of corpses were discovered in that area. I'm going to combine a number of versions so you can get all the details of this unsolved mystery. As the legend goes, in the spring of 1863... Some bankers in Wheeling West Virginia loaded some boxes in two canvas-covered freight wagons and covered them with hay. The wagons had false bottoms into which had been placed thirteen bars of partly refined gold per wagon, each bar weighing fifty pounds and painted black. The value of that ship at today's estimated somewhere between three hundred and five hundred thousand dollars, depending upon the purity of the gold. Each wagon was to be pulled by a four-mule team, and a small ambulance had been provided to accompany the mission. That ambulance could carry a stretcher and two men, and this one no doubt carried their provisions and basic medical supplies. The party was made up of three wagon drivers and eight men on horseback, one of them a civilian guy named Connors. One of the bank executives handed a sealed envelope to the mission commander, a young army lieutenant named Castleton, with these special orders inside. Hidden beneath the floor of each freight wagon are gold bars which need to be delivered to the Philadelphia Mint. Avoid contact with the enemy. No one is to know the contents of the wagon. Proceed as far north as possible to avoid any chance of running into rebels, then turn south and head for the safest river port. From there, travel down river by rafts. In case you're thinking it, at that point in the Civil War, with rebels crossing into Pennsylvania, the railroad couldn't be trusted. And although West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Maryland were aligned with the North, their expedition had to beware of Southern sympathizers, especially Copperheads, who belonged to an underground organization of southern sympathizers who lived in northern states. In other words, no one could be trusted. Those gold bars were heavy, too, which required a large team of mules, and an eight-man cavalry escort practically shouted that they were carrying a payroll of some sort, so the lieutenant had a lot to worry about. His plan was to head east to the town of Driftwood in the heart of Pennsylvania's lumber country, build a raft, and then float it down the western branch of the Susquehanna River to Harrisburg, where the shipment of gold would then follow a series of canals straight to Philadelphia. The canals had been built in the late 1820s, and the system was so good that boats could make the 600-mile trip from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh in only three to five days, depending upon the weather. Lieutenant Castleton, according to legend, was suffering relapses of malaria, which he had contracted earlier in his military career. Throughout the journey, the lieutenant had to ride in the ambulance, and his sickness was making it difficult at times to lead the mission. Connor suggested they camp outside the town of Ridgeway, which in 1863 was already becoming well known for its lumber production, and boasted a downtown complete with stores, hotel, and a bar. As the story goes, Castleton was searching for quinine, a Peruvian bark, to help him with his fever, and walked into a tavern along with O'Rourke. They were both in uniform, and the bar was full of toughs. They thought the two officers were there to round up draft dodgers, and a brawl ensued, "'from which Castleton and O'Rourke were barely able to escape with their lives. "'The next morning they carefully skirted the town of Ridgeway "'and headed for St. Mary's on what is today Route 120. "'On the last Saturday in June, which was June 27th, "'they camped near the town of St. Mary's. "'As the legend goes, that night in St. Mary's, still searching for Quinine, "'the lieutenant got so delirious that he blurted out the secret of the gold cargo, "'which came as a total shock to the escorting soldiers.' In St. Mary's, they were able to take possession of a map which was titled Wildcat Country, which showed a trail branching to the south about 10 miles east of St. Mary's and one mile west of the village of Truman, on the border of Cameron and Elk Counties. On Sunday morning, the 28th, the now weary expedition turned southeast, the town of Dritwood being their intended destination. In Dritwood, they would build rafts to take down the Cinemahoning Creek to the Susquehanna. Sergeant O'Rourke was now in command as the wagons crossed into what is today Pine Tree Trail State Forest. That road just outside of Truman is little more than a jeep trail today. It crosses two mountains with elevations of 2,000 feet, and okay, it's not the Rockies, but it must have been torture for the mules dragging wagons loaded with gold bars. Castleton was feverish, but still trying to command. The western branch of a stream called Hicks Run runs between the two mountains, Just beyond the summit of the easternmost mountain, the road gets rougher. In this area, the maps failed them, and what was supposed to be one trail split off into three different trails. They tried the first one, and nearly got hung up in an area of marsh, swamps, and rocky outcroppings. Very rugged country. They had to backtrack, and then they tried another and got the same results, only this time they couldn't backtrack. The mules and men and horses were worn out. They knew they needed to get help, but they didn't want to split up the group or the command. They finally decided to send Connors and two of the soldiers to scout a way out. As Connors left, the last thing he saw was O'Rourke and Castleton arguing about whether to hide the gold or load it into saddlebags and abandon the wagons. The wagons had been traveling very rough country, and the men were probably wondering when they were going to fall apart. The mules had been pulling up and down steep inclines and through swampy marshes, and they were on their last legs the men were grumbling and in low spirits. No doubt there were some who were considering abandoning the mission or worse. As Connors was about to leave, he saw that the men were using canvas from the wagon covers to fashion bags for the pack saddles that could carry the gold bars. Castleton also handed Connors a federal signed requisition order so he could get men and supplies needed to assist the group. Connors left, and after a few miles, he and his two mates had parted ways. One of the two had a swollen ankle and couldn't walk, so the other stayed with him while Connors went on alone. And here the legend has two versions. In one version, Connors is wandering in the Pennsylvania wilderness without food, exhausted and hoping to come across a homestead. He then sees a small log house and a woman standing outside who sees him at the same moment. She then runs inside to get a gun and comes out brandishing a rifle. He shouts to her that he is hungry and thirsty, and she points the way toward the nearest settlement. At that point, Connors blacks out. The next thing he knows, he's waking up in her house. The lady's name is Mrs. Walker. Her son had helped to carry Connors in and then went to find help. Soon, a woodsman named Captain Davis shows up, and when Connors recovers, he leads Davis back toward the area where he had last seen the wagons. When they arrived there, the wagons were abandoned, the mules were wandering untethered, and the men and horses were gone. In the second version of the story... Connor stumbles into the town of Lock Haven, PA, about 40 miles east of where Connors had left the wagons, and was heard to say, All dead. The soldiers. Murdered. Ambushed. And soon a search party was put together to try to locate the others. The search company accompanies Connors back to where the wagons were, but there's no record or legend of what they found. As the story goes, as soon as the Army got wind of Connors' arrival in Lockhaven, they sent investigators to question him. In an Army court of inquiry, held at Clearfield, Pennsylvania, the Army charged Castleton and O'Rourke with treason and theft. Those charges were soon dropped, as Lieutenant Castleton's family had a long service record and friends in high places in the U.S. Army. For reasons we don't know, the Army didn't completely buy Connor's story. They apparently hired the Pinkerton Agency to investigate, and they did. They sent a few teams of agents into the area who posed as prospectors and lumbermen, told them to be alert for any sudden signs of wealth, and asked discreet questions. The area they searched extended from the Driftwood branch of the Simihonan River to St. Mary's. They did find a few dead mules bearing the Army brand near the village of Dents Run, which is just off the western branch of the Susquehanna River, about 10 miles west of Driftwood. In 1865, two agents, as the story goes, their names Dugan and Donovan, found two and a half bars of gold under a pine stump about four miles south of where the wagons were abandoned. This seemed to indicate that the treasure had been stolen and divided. As the legend goes, the two agents soon retired, built a log cabin north of Benzet on Trout Run, and spent the rest of their lives hunting, fishing, and searching for gold. Later, in 1871, a county survey team working on the border between Elk and Cameron counties reportedly found some human skeletons believed to be those of the soldiers in an area called Bell's Draft near Hicks Run. The bones had been scattered, and they couldn't tell how many bodies there had been. They guessed between three and five. As the legend continues, Connors was drafted into the Army and sent to a remote fort out west. The Army refused to ever discharge him, wanting to keep an eye on him. The two men who had accompanied him were found and sent back into active units. They were both killed in action. Connors became an alcoholic, and when drinking often, told his audience that he knew where the gold was hidden. But when he was sober, he couldn't remember anything. Let's assume for a second that bandits ambushed the cavalry unit and killed them all. The only reason for the ambush would have been to steal the gold. Why would they hide it? A few gold coins can do strange things to people. 26 gold bars can make people insane. Possibly they ended up killing each other. I've come across a lot of legends while researching for this podcast, but rarely one which contains so much detail, all of it lacking any shred of verifiable evidence. Apparently there was enough for the FBI to get interested, though, and that's exactly what happened just a few years ago. We'll return with that story right after these sponsor messages. And now, back to our story. One online article reads this way. Was a ton of vanished Union gold stolen by a secret group of Confederate sympathizers and hidden in a rural Pennsylvania cave at the height of the Civil War? That's what an FBI agent was seeking to find out in 2018 when he applied for a search warrant to dig at the site in Elk County, northeast of Pittsburgh, according to a court filing unsealed on Thursday. In an accompanying 30-page affidavit, Federal Bureau of Investigation Special Agent Jacob Archer cites tips from treasure hunters, old newspaper clippings, and magazine articles as probable cause that a ton or more of gold mined in California and destined for the U.S. Mint in Philadelphia, when it disappeared in 1863, was buried in a cave located inside a 217,000-acre state forest. According to Archer, the gold may have been stolen by a shadowy group called the Knights of the Golden Circle. I'm going to interject at this point that no cave has been mentioned in any of the legend versions I have read, nor is any cave above ground or underground shown in any of the photographs showing the FBI dig. And I'll add that the Knights of the Golden Circle were not mentioned in any parts of the legend. We continue. Archer got his warrant, but the FBI later said it didn't find anything. The treasure hunters cited by Archer aren't so sure. Father and son team Dennis and Kem Parada think the government may have found the gold and kept it quiet to avoid having to give them a cut of the find. They fought the government for records relating to the search, which led the Philadelphia Inquirer and Associated Press to request the unsealing of the warrant and Archer's affidavit. The FBI didn't respond to the request for comment. By the way, the Paradas only turned to the FBI after trying to get the State Department of Natural Resources to allow them to dig over a spot that their treasure finders showed to be loaded with gold. After failing to get a permit for five years, they finally went to the FBI and offered a deal. They said, we'll lead you to the buried gold, for a percentage of what you find. According to them, the FBI agreed. And they did. And today they wish they hadn't. The story continues as Agent Archer has the gold now coming from California and somehow skipping the West Virginia Bank story. Archer, a member of the FBI's art crime team, colorfully detailed how transporting gold from the West to fund the war effort had become an enterprise fraught with peril by 1863, with the changing front lines, gangs of outlaws, Confederate sympathizers known as copperheads, and just plain train robbers, all threatening cross-country transport. Archer said a story found in the archives of the Military History Institute entitled The Lost Gold Inga Treasure suggested the gold believed to be in Elk County in 2018 started off in Sacramento, and traveled east in an epic journey along the Oregon Trail and down the Platte and Mississippi Rivers before reaching a rendezvous point near Pittsburgh. And I will add, too, that I checked the archives of the Military History Institute, in which there were posted 650 articles, going back as far as the early 1800s, and none of them were titled, The Lost Gold Ingot Treasure. So good luck if you're searching the records for the Military History Institute in Carlisle, P.A., And by the way, you can also search the Pinkerton files. I searched those as well, and there's no mention of this investigation. I hope you have better luck in finding a connection. According to the story, this last phase of the journey involved a caravan of wagons and armed horsemen, led by Lieutenant Castleton. The gold ingots were painted black and hidden under false bottoms so that the wagons appeared to be carrying ordinary freight. According to the story, Castleton paid an old woods rat known as Joe to lead the caravan, which became helplessly lost. Some of the men went for help, but the rest and the gold were never seen again, despite a comprehensive post-war search by Pickerton detectives. But Archer said further research suggested the story was in actuality a waybill, or coded map, the Knights of the Golden Circle used to mark hidden catches. The group, which operated in both Union and Confederate states during the Civil War, buried secret catches of weapons, coins, and gold and silver bullion, much of which was stolen from robberies of banks and trains carrying payrolls of Union Army, the FBI agent wrote. If the Knights of the Golden Circle sounds familiar to you, we did mention it in our podcast episode at 1001 Heroes titled Killing Lincoln. They were a highly connected group of Southern sympathizers with connections high up in the government, and it was a Pinkerton infiltrator who exposed a plot they had to try and assassinate Lincoln, and they were able to foil the assassination attempt. The Paradas believed they had located the gold after making hundreds of visits to the Elk County cave and conducting tests with radar and metal detectors. Archer said in his affidavit that the FBI hired a contractor to survey the site with a microgravity meter which detected a large underground mass with a density matching that of gold and having a weight of up to nine tons. The FBI agent said he was seeking a warrant in part because the federal government was worried that the state of Pennsylvania might try to seize the gold. William Kluck, a lawyer for the Paradas, said the release of the affidavit confirms that the FBI, quote, determined there was a scientific basis to conclude that there was nine tons of gold buried at that site, end quote. But Kluck said his clients were still seeking additional records about the search itself, noting the Paradas were never allowed up to the site during the dig. Why wouldn't the FBI allow the treasure hunters to be present during the dig? Kluck asked. Good question. Here is the story of how the Paradas were involved in the search. Actually, it was the Paradas who kept that legend alive for the past 35 years. As that story goes, Parada and some of his co-workers at a Phillipsburg furniture store used to while away their spare time fortune hunting in the Pennsylvania backcountry. One day in 1975, a stranger named Mike McMalley of Somerset, PA, wandered into the store, saw their metal detectors, and got involved in a conversation with Parada in which he shared the story of the lost gold. He even drew a map for Parada and encouraged them to give it a try, which Parada did. The next weekend, Parada and his friends discovered some of the landmarks Mr. Malley had indicated on his map, but they could not locate the key landmark, which was the fire pit where the Union soldiers had made their campfire. Years then passed, and in 2004, Parada was urged by his friend and fortune-hunting partner, Scott Farrell, to pick up the search again. They tracked down Mr. Malley, and he, along with Mr. Parada's son, Kem, formed their company, named it Finders Keepers, and they went after the Elk County missing gold. In November of 2004, the group claims, they found the fire pit at a site where, according to the Lost Treasure magazine story, which is one of the legends related here, county surveyors found human skeletons in the 1870s. Knowing that the land was a state forest, Parada called the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources, which we will refer to as the DCNR, to report his find, Was told to stop any exploration. The group returned in the spring and, through surface digging, which is permitted, found artifacts such as a whiskey bottle, knives, animal traps, tin cans, and a bullet. Thinking this would bolster his case for excavation, Mr. Barada turned over the artifacts to the DCNR, which sent them to the Pennsylvania Historical and Museum Commission. The Commission's analysis, reported in a June 8, 2005 letter from Ted Boroski of the Bureau of Forestry to the DCNR, was that the artifacts were newer than Civil War era and probably were debris from a campsite and had no cultural or historical significance. Mr. Baroski wrote that there was no credible evidence to support any conclusions that a lost federal gold bullion shipment from the Civil War was ever located on state forest lands in the vicinity of Dents Run, PA, or the location Mr. Parada insists is the resting place of the lost gold catch. Undeterred, Mr. Parada said that use of an $8,000 metal detector indicated that there is gold eight feet below the surface at the location he marked. There's no doubt in my mind it's down there, Parada said. He speculates that Connors killed the soldiers, possibly with poison in their coffee, and hid the gold in hopes of coming back to get it later. He also contends that the state is blocking his exploration because it wants to unearth the gold itself, but DCNR Press Secretary Chris Novak denies that allegation, noting that DCNR officials don't even believe the legend. Well it's certainly the stuff of local legend, we've been unable to pry any proof of lost gold in Elk County, let alone where Mr. Parada said it is located, she said. Likewise, Alan C. Guelzo, a professor in the Civil War-era studies program at Gettysburg College, said he had never heard of such a gold shipment and doubts that it ever occurred. There is no documentation, description, letter, official report, No paper trail, the historian noted. Indeed, he said, Union Army records have no listing for Lieutenant Castleton. But Mr. Guelzo isn't surprised that such a tall tale would take hold. Everybody wants a piece of the Civil War, he said. Legends tend to be formulated around wishful thinking. You don't want to be a citizen of an area where nothing ever happened. But Helen Hughes, of the Elk County Historical Society, said she believes the legend of the lost gold. Still, she noted that country residents scoff when someone claims, as folks periodically do, that he knows the location of the treasure. What happened to the gold is a mystery, she said. People in the county are not out with shovels looking for it. Nobody's ever going to find it. About the only details that are verifiable in this story include the dig permit that was granted to the FBI by the Pennsylvania State Legislature based on a March 2018 FBI application for a warrant to seize property which was unsealed on behalf of the AP and the Philadelphia Inquirer. Also confirmed the presence of the FBI in Dent's run for both a ground survey and a dig, and some statements from FBI agent Jacob Archer, which accompanied the application, which stated, I have probable cause to believe that a significant catch of gold is secreted away in an underground cave at Dent's run. Meanwhile, the legend continues. We hope you enjoyed this story at 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries podcast. The legend of the dense run gold on the Lost Patrol is very possibly one of the most colorful yarns ever invented, leading to a treasure in gold, and in all places, in rural Pennsylvania. Although I can honestly say that just like some people who find gold in Iowa cornfields, I found my gold in Pennsylvania as a boy, attending summer camps in Hughesville and canoeing down that western branch of the Susquehanna, riding horseback in the mountains hunting squirrels, and exploring Valley Forge Park, next to which we lived during my school years. And on a cloudy day in those endless rolling mountains of Pennsylvania, where everything looks the same out in those woods, especially in the winter, it's easy to get lost. And I can vouch for that detail as well. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries Podcast. Please do share our show with a friend, and also send us a review. We appreciate reviews very much. We have lots of new stories on the way, and while you're waiting, please check out our other shows, like 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales, 1001 Sherlock Holmes Stories, and The Best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, 1001 Stories for the Road, 1001 Greatest Love Stories, 1001 Radio Days, and our latest radio archive show, 1001 Stories from Roy's Diner. Until next Sunday night, around 6 p.m. Eastern Time, everyone, stay safe. And we'll be back soon. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.